Welcome to the ACO Show. I'm Josh Israel, joined by my co-host, Brian Chiglinski. And Brian, I understand you are just back from a trip to Iceland and Ireland. That was to drum up business for your employer. Is that right? Yeah, exactly, Josh. It's great to great to see you. And yeah, we're we're looking for any ACOs that want to start up in Ireland or Iceland. Unfortunately, I think we're finding that many other countries handle their healthcare systems a little differently than the United States, you know, for for a mix of good and bad reasons. So no, no takers yet, but I'll I'll keep trying. I'll keep trying. It is one of the fun things about Twitter. I felt like I could I could follow your your trip. Really seemed like some beautiful <laughs> places. And and of course, that isn't what you were doing there. Yeah, yeah. And traveling with a one-year-old international travel changes drastically when you're traveling by yourself versus with a, a one-year-old baby. Highly recommend it, but I'm, I'm definitely more tired today than I was when I took off. You'll do it again? You'll do an international trip again? Oh yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. <laughs> so today's show, we had the pleasure of Dr. Sarah Mullins. She runs a family practice in Wilmington, Delaware, uh, and is also medical director at Allidade. The The genesis of the show was just a conversation I had with her. I ran into her at the, at the office and she was speaking about her care management program. And we realized we hadn't done a show on that and the, all the good things about it. And she was very impressive. She start, started one, uh, runs it, and all the good things that come from it. So I, I enjoyed hearing about it. Yeah, and Dr. Mullins has been, she'll mention in the show, has been with Allidade pretty much from the very beginning. And it's been really interesting to listen to her and watch her talk about her patients and her community. And I remember during the COVID-19 pandemic, she did a lot of work advocating for primary care to be seen as a central point of community care uh, during the pandemic. And so it surprises me not at all to see her leading this really impressive care management program. And really importantly, as she'll talk about in the episode, picking up the lessons learned and making sure that we share them with other physicians and other practices and making sure that the knowledge of how to properly apply care management and make it run properly is, is shared as widely as possible. Yeah, one of the key parts of value-based care is figuring out the ways to do the best things for patients in a way that is financially sustainable. And it, it was great to hear that that they have that part nailed down. Yeah, and I think it's something we talk about all the time in value-based care. It's a really great thing when the right type of care for patients pays for itself. All right, let's get to it. And now we're joined by Dr. Sarah Mullins, the co-owner of Stony Batter Family Medicine in Wilmington, Delaware and a Senior Regional Medical Director here at Allidade. Dr. Mullins, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. Thank you. First of all, before we dive into some of the details of care management and the work that you've done with your practice in Delaware and helping other practices throughout the East Coast, I wanted to just, if you could give us a little bit of perspective on the your practice in Delaware, the patient population you serve, and kind of how you came to get started in value-based care. Sure. So my practice is suburban practice in Delaware, and we have five physicians, three nurse practitioners, and a physician assistant. And we joined Allidade in 2014, back way in the beginning as practice number seven in Allidade. And we started working with the Medicare Shared Savings Program and now all the commercial Medicare Advantage and Medicaid contracts that are present in Delaware. So we, we've been around a long time. We're going to be talking today about care management. Can we just start with the fundamentals? What is that? So care management is the coordination of care for patients across all of their settings of care in the home, the hospital, the nursing home, and the primary practice, as well as their specialist visits. So care management seemed to be a natural fit for value-based care because it really did mean that you were the quarterback of the patient's care across all the settings. How does care management 
differ from treatment as usual from the care a patient might get in a family practice? The care management is a phone-based service, so there isn't a face-to-face component, and it's delivered outside of the office while the patient is between visits. So this sounds like something that I'm sure you have been working to provide your your patients from the very beginning, this kind of coordinated quality care. What was it like before you were in value-based care programs and and these programs that kind of provide the tools and resources to, to make that possible? Well, we really just took care of the patients that showed up at the office and and nothing else. So if a patient called for an appointment and they came in and we talked with them, then we delivered care at that moment. But there really wasn't an eye towards the patients once they left the office, when they were between visits, or really kind of the continuity between office visits. If care management primarily happens through checking in on the patients by telephone and not in office visits, how are you getting paid for it? How are you making this financially sustainable? So back in 2015, Medicare started the care management codes that were based on time delivered over the phone to a patient. And this was kind of our first foray into starting care management when this code first debuted. We started our program because I had noticed that some patients call the office a lot and they consume a lot of time and have a lot of acuity And my LPN and I decided to pick 10 of our most difficult patients that required a lot. And we started working with just the three of us, basically the patient, the nurse, and I, and saw how this would work out. And I was the guinea pig in the practice. And that's how our care management program started. So what were those early days like when you were having these conversations? I guess I'm sure there were lots of starts and stops and and stumbles along the way. Like what, what was that initial process like when you started having these conversations? Well, we started off with the American Academy of Family Physicians model for care management, where they had a permission slip the patient had to sign, an agreement to engage in care management. And then there was the totaling of the time. So actually accounting for the minutes spent on the patient each month. And then our billing department had to get involved by entering the codes into our electronic system and actually submitting them monthly. So this was the the kind of very baby steps towards getting into a care management program, but it was so successful and, and so meaningful that we now have over 600 patients through all payers and four full-time staff working on this. Can you say more about the kinds of patients you think are appropriate for this? We started with Medicare since they were the first payer to initiate the codes that care management was covered for. And these were often our our highest acuity patients that had multiple comorbidities. They were in the hospital a lot. They went to the emergency room frequently, lots of specialists and lots of medications. Those were the patients that called the office most frequently. And there was a lot of comorbid depression and anxiety that impacted their care as well. So how did your work with a value-based care program help your care management program? What kind of tools and resources did it provide? How did it make the work of reaching these patients and coordinating their care easier? We started by using the Allidade list of patients based on their acuity. So the diagnosis codes that we had submitted as claims throughout the year could be listed. And basically a patient list is triaged for your most acute patients and for each PCP, we provided the list to them and had them pick patients on the list that would be best for care management, starting at the top and working their way down. When we think about making this more granular in a way that's really clear about what's good about care management, any particular wins that come to mind for you, patients who you think this was very valuable for? 
I have two patients that really exemplify wins in care management. One is a very, very complicated patient with lots of tubes and hardware and things that are required to keep her going in life. Before we started care management, she was admitted to the intensive care unit monthly. And when we started care management, we decided to design a team around her that would really support her in the home environment. And she has not been admitted to the intensive care unit for over two years now. The other patient that really comes to mind is a very anxious but well patient. And she was in the emergency room weekly because of her concerns about her health. And each evaluation was unrevealing and really it was her anxiety that needed the management best. Her having a care manager that she can call rather than going to the emergency room has really cut down. And I'm happy to say she's not been in the emergency room for over a year. That's incredible. Just the quality improvement of, of not just, you know, obviously working in value-based care, we talk about ways to reduce costs and unnecessary ED visits and unnecessary hospitalizations are right up there at the top of the list, but just the quality of life for these two patients to not have to go through going to the emergency room or going through a very extensive hospital visit to have someone that they trust that they can reach out to and just have this conversation with. It sounds really valuable just from a quality of life perspective for these patients. Absolutely. The care manager has been basically a family member to these patients. And I like to say we do all initiatives through care management. So they basically set the annual wellness visits for the patients. They call them after the hospital stays, coordinate with them after the emergency room, and even talk to them about advanced care planning. They're the trusted member on the team that can really have these conversations best. Now, I apologize if this sounds like I'm boiling down your amazing care for your patients into, into dollars. But anybody who's listening to this, who's thinking about starting a care management program may wonder just how sustainable it is for their practice. You did say that the Medicare was the first to pay these codes. You know, you, you do a certain thing, you get paid a certain thing. Does that pay for itself sufficiently or would somebody need to be in a value-based care program like the Medicare Shared Savings Program where the real financial sustainability comes from having kept your patient healthy and kept them from needlessly going to the hospital. D does it pay for itself just on the codes? It does. So actually our program predates us receiving shared savings through the Medicare Shared Savings Program. And as a practice owner, I really had to make sure that I could afford the staff that I was hiring or converting to do this work. My agreement with my partner at the time was that this program needed to stand alone and cover all the costs of its own program in order to continue to be funded. And so starting small was key and incrementally increasing as we watched how the revenue came in really mattered. It, it's quite amazing to me that I have four full-time staff members that are dedicated to this care. So two RNs, one LPN, and one medical assistant that all of their salary and benefit is covered and there's a profit beyond that so that a practice can sustainably do this even before they receive shared savings. Yeah, it's really important that, that focus on sustainability and making sure that you know, the program is able to stand on its own before you bring it to the scale, especially the scale that, that you guys are operating at today. I guess looking back, if you were talking to yourself when you were starting this program, knowing what you guys have been through now and, and how the program is run today, are there any pieces of advice or other kind of lessons learned that you would want to tell yourself a few years ago? 
Oh, I have a bunch. <laughs> Lessons learned for sure. One is that the credentials of the employee that's providing the care management are is less important than the person that's selected. So I have a, an excellent LPN, two RNs, and a medical assistant all delivering this care. And the medical assistant is in nursing school. And so she's learning about care plans, but her rapport with patients is excellent. So I don't think you need to necessarily have an RN deliver these services, however qualified they are to do so. I think the experience of the person who's delivering the care really matters in order to be relatable, friendly, and a trusted source of information. Other things that I think are really helpful are the Allidade grand rounds, practice manager rounds, complex care rounds, and clinical calls. I have borrowed all sorts of things from these settings in order to make sure that my care managers are really efficient and effective. Only one of my care managers actually had prior experience delivering care management. So learning in, along the way, I think was really important. And Finally, I think the billing details, as each of the payers started to adopt these codes, uh, there were stutter steps with some of the commercial payers where they paid for it for a little while, then they stopped. So it's important to make sure that you're watching your revenue coming in and making sure you understand who in your state is actually paying for the codes. How do you explain it to patients, the service that they're going to be receiving? This is a really critical step. I think that the recommendation by the PCP is really what sells the care. Once people are in it, they love it, but they don't know what to think about it initially. The way I tell patients, I tell them that they are a VIP to me and they are very complicated. So I need to make sure that we stay very close to them. And that's a crafted message that I've developed over the years that I see resonate with people. Um, I think understanding care management doesn't need to have other words than those. One of the challenges with some of the services provided by Medicare is that there are copays. So some things that we may think are great for patients or know are great for patients, they may not understand the complexity of it well enough to want to pay a copay for getting it. You know, if they have a secondary insurance, sometimes they don't have the copay, but when they do, has that been a barrier for this program? It hasn't been for us. We have a lot of patients that require care management that are dual eligible, have Medicare with the Medicaid as a secondary, and they don't have a copay for this service. I think also practices can decide how aggressive they'd like to collect these copays, and that can be decided on a case-by-case -case basis. I'm wondering if there are any ways that either federal or state policymakers and regulators could help make these kind of programs easier to scale, easier for new practices to adopt and, and implement. Have there been any recommendations that have come to your mind or that you've heard from other physicians that you think might apply? I think universal coverage for care management would be very helpful. The burden of a practice having to figure out which payer is no longer covering care management is, is really frustrating. And I think it would be nice to be identified as an essential primary care service. I think programs like the one in Maryland where the Medicare Innovation Project has mandated care management to be an essential part of the services provided by primary care really shows that at least at the Medicare level, they are starting to study this and see if it does make an impact on cost of care and quality. Finally, I think that that copay being eliminated would be very helpful. I think not just coverage for the essential service, but the copay as well. This sounds like such a valuable service. 
Are there some practices you think this would not be a fit for? Gosh, I think because care plans are tailored to the individual, I can't think of a practice that this wouldn't be a good fit for. However, I I can think of a patient that it is hard to deliver services to. And these would be our patients that don't have a phone number that is really reliable. Patients who are transiently housed uh, would probably be very difficult to get a hold of. And that might be something where a community health worker would be a better investment than a care manager delivering care by phone. So Dr. Mullins, in addition to your work at your own practice, you are a medical director at Allidade, which means traveling around, meeting with other practices, coaching other practices. What have you learned about care management in that work that you think could, that you've taken back to your own practice or that has surprised you? Sure. So learning about the practices in Maryland that are part of this Medicare innovation project with care management has opened my eyes to having an in-depth relationship with the highest tier of complexity for patients, rather than spanning the breadth of many, many patients that might experience a crisis in the future. And that has caused us to graduate patients that have learned self-efficacy skills well and really focus on fewer patients in a more in-depth way. Dr. Mullins, a lot of the process you've talked about, you know, it's very direct to patient communication. It's very manual. How are you guys using technology or leveraging new technology to help really streamline the process of care management? We do use the Allidade data platform to find out who our most acute patients are for targeting care management services. But we're also planning to start automating our billing and the accounting of the minutes through our electronic health service and billing software. We hadn't started doing it because it cost money, but now that the the program actually pays for itself, we can invest in technology to help us with that. Dr. Sarah Mullins, the co-owner of Stony Batter Family Medicine in Wilmington, Delaware, and a medical director at Allidade. This is great work. Thank you so much for sharing it with us and our audience. Thank you. This episode was produced by Leanne Horst, Alana Coogan, and Stuart Taylor. You can find more episodes of The ACO Show wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening, and join us next time 